You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. You may be familiar with the game of badminton. Many schools teach the sport in physical education class. It is also often played at family reunions, on beaches, and in backyards across the country. So in 2015, as it began to look like badminton was going to become a Paralympic sport, Steve Kearney was asked to run the Parabadminton program for Team USA. So we chat with him about the sport and the progress made here in the United States as we gear up for the Tokyo Games. Steve, thank you for being my guest. Okay, you're welcome. Look forward to speaking with you also. So we're going to uh, talk about uh, parabadminton. I, I just wanted to kind of get an idea in the field before we do about how you got involved in this sport and at this level. Um, really, my involvement is um, actual able-bodied badminton. I've been playing since I was 12. I competed nationally and so a little bit internationally um, then stopped the sport, met my wife, had kids, quit playing for 10 years, and my son was born without a left tibia bone. So as he grew up, I got involved in para-sports with him, para-swimming, para-basketball, para-soccer, uh, and that's what got me involved with it. I came back to badminton when we moved to Atlanta in 92, got involved with the 96 Olympics, and I was the competition chair for badminton for the 96 games, got involved with the organization, um, worked for NBC for 2008, 2012, 2015, the executive director said para badminton's getting some notice and make it into Tokyo. We need somebody to run it. And they asked me to run it. And I've been working, uh, trying to get athletes, trying to get an organization together since then. And so what is it like, um, you know, because it is a new Paralympic sport, basically building a building that type of high le- high performance level program. Yeah, and as you know, badminton is not one of the uh, biggest sports in the U.S. It is much larger over in the Asian countries and in Middle Europe. But what I tried to do is give opportunities to all athletes that wanted to get into badminton. The first thing I did is went to veteran organization started working with the adaptive sport VA grant. And I got that for three years and traveled around the country, educating hospitals, veteran organizations, sporting events, wounded warrior games, uh, to try to bring the veteran component into the sport of badminton or introduce it to them. And at the same time, we did clinics all over the country just to get to athletes. So we worked with hospitals, we worked with the Shriners, we worked Lakeshore Foundation, Angel Sports in Los Angeles to, to get, just try to recruit athletes and give them an education what badminton is and how it's working. And so far we have a team right now of about 16 athletes that compete nationally and internationally. Well, they were before the COVID hit. Uh, and that's that's what I've been trying to do as well as setting up the organization in USA Badminton. And is 16 uh, a good number? Is it, do you want to expand, how, how, do you want to expand that number? Yeah, that's a good question. 16 is a very low number. I mean, we're, we're an individualized sport 
the athletes go out in singles, doubles, mixed doubles, men's doubles, women's doubles. So it's individualized, but our team is not that large and we're, we need to recruit more and more athletes. And the only way to do that is to go out and educate. So I've been on the machine road, the machine looking at uh, organizations to get into just to educate people what parabadminton is, and it is a Paralympic sport. So you have an opportunity to go to the Paralympics with this sport. So, and now I've got, I believe after these three years, I've got the organization, we're part of USA Badminton. Some of the Paris sports are part of the USOPC and they're run by them, but we're run by USA Badminton. So I've got a lot of internal support now to get organizations, form committees and try to get more athletes involved. And and you mentioned a good point in terms of, um, you know, not, not being a huge sport in the U S uh, and being bigger in, in parts of Europe and Asia. Why do you, why do you think that is? I think it was just more accepted. I mean, the big sports in the U S football, basketball, baseball, uh, even soccer at, at some level or football overseas, it, 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 they're just more, they've more established. They've got more money. And part of it is sponsorship. We don't have the large sponsorships to get the money to attract people to play. I, for instance, I played in college, high school and college, and I did get a college scholarship, but this was back a long time ago when they were offering that. And right now, there is no opportunity to play once you're a junior and you're through your high school years. There's, there's no incentive to play besides it's a lifetime sport. So that's part of it. And I definitely want to talk about the life, lifetime sport element in, in a little while. And, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned, um, you know, just introducing the sport, you know, uh, at Move United, we're always, you know, trying to promote, you know, different sports and new sports that individuals, you know, may not be uh, familiar with, may not know that they have the opportunity to play or participate in, you know, either recreationally or competitively. So it's good. Uh, it's good, to, you know, that we're we're hoping to work work in tandem to help uh, build the awareness and audience. So if if um, if someone's listening and you know they don't know what what the sport of uh, badminton or para badminton specifically is, how how would you describe it? Um, para badminton has six classifications, all para sports with that are in the Paralympics and and some that aren't all have classifications based on levels of what your uh, disability may be. In badminton, there's six. Two of them are wheelchair. Um, three of them are, well, excuse me, one is below knee, above knee, and above waist disability. And then the last one is dwarfs that are able to compete. And there's not too many sports that have dwarfs involved. Uh, and badminton is, para-badminton is one of them. Let's talk about the sport itself. So you mentioned that it's an individual sport. So uh, walk me through, you know, a a typical competition or match. A typical match, badminton is on played on a forty-four by twenty uh, court with net service lines. It's rally scoring, so you score every time you serve. Two out of three games to twenty-one. Um, in para badminton, the only difference in court size would be wheelchair singles. They only play half court and the front part of the line is automatically out just for mobility purposes for the wheelchair. So you would be called in a match, you'd be classified at your first tournament 
you would play against the same type of classification you would have people and play in your match, go out two out of three, um, shake hands, go back and go back to training and just, if you lost and move on if you won. And um, from a training perspective, what what do you or the coach focus on to, to improve uh, the athlete? Well, two, two things with, with badminton is it's very physical because you're moving all the time. There's not that many breaks. You're constantly playing. And two, it's the mental part of the game. You have to realize or analyze quickly what your opponent's trying to do to you, what you want to do to your opponent. And there's adjustments. You have to make them quickly because in rally scoring, you hit it out. uh, They get a point. So the coaches work on a couple things. One is footwork. Two is the mobility to move around fitness, of course, and then three, keeping it in the court, keeping it in the, the keeping the rallies extended, or making your opponent run so much that they miss and not you. And and so we often when, when we see if we've seen a match, we we know the phys- physicality of it, but it's yeah, you know, like you mentioned, it's it's just as much of a a mental game and a, and a strategy sport as well. Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, I don't want to compare it to chess, but my coach, my first coach was a master chess player and that's after the match we would sit down and draw a court and then analyze what shots do what so there is a lot of mental to it but if you're in physically good shape and your attitude is right you're going to get through a match pretty easily and so for someone that's um you know listens or is listening and, and wants to try the sport what do they need to know to get started i mean what what equipment do they need um, and, and, uh, you know, how, how would they begin, uh, getting into this, uh, into this sport? Yeah, that, that's a good question. It's kind of a multi-phased answer. The first, let's talk about the equipment, uh, a racket, a badminton racket, which you could get at most sporting stores. When we do clinics, we pass out rackets to athletes or potential athletes. Um, then that would, next would be a plastic shuttlecock in tournament play they used feathered shuttlecocks and they're now coming out with synthetic just for the cost but just those two things are really all you need and of course a facility most all of badminton rather is played indoors they're now they have come up with a a new product called air badminton which is an outdoor sport but 199 percent of the actual paralympic is uh indoor so with that, then you would go to usabadminton.org. And on that site, there's a where to play and try to find out uh, in you where you live, where they're playing badminton and try to get involved. You can also contact me very easily and I can help you with that. Uh, with Para, though, the first thing we need to do is get you classified. So we have classifiers in the States that will call and do a kind of like a Zoom call and set up and then classify you what category you'd be in of the six. And then we go from there. So, you know, with the, with the two primary um, pieces of equipment, the racket and the shuttlecock, it's a, I'd imagine it's a relatively inexpensive sport compared to many others. Yeah, there, there is that. The, the other component of that is if you want to get better, you're going to have to play more which means you're going to have to go somewhere and then maybe get a coach, which could be the only major cost you're going to incur. 
if you want to continue to move up level-wise in the sport. Um, again, because of COVID, we haven't had any tournaments most of last year and may not have any until summer of 21 at this rate. Um, no guarantees on that. But playing in tournaments is the other thing. that We have tremendous junior tournaments around the country. Uh, in 2019, we had them every weekend. Wow. <laughs> Somewhere in the country. So there, there is opportunity. You just got to get uh, get you a racket in your hand and get you playing. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about the racket. You know, are there are there specs or spec, you know kind of specific things that uh, requirements that they have to meet, standards that they have to meet? There, there really are not. Most of the rackets are lightweight. Um, there's different types of strings you can use like tennis. You could use gutted nylon and they've got some other synthetics, uh, really uh, the different type of grips you can put on it. But a racket, a badminton racket is a badminton racket. There is no uh, real heavy specifics there are in the rules of badminton, but for a beginner or someone who's played a little bit, um, really any type of racket, but when you, as you get better, you'll want a lighter racket strong at a higher tension. The highest tension for a badminton racket can be somewhere between 27 and 29 pounds, which is very tight for that frame and the, the, the weight of the, the racket. But really, to, to get started, any type of racket will do to get you going to hit. Um, and again, as you advance in level and playing more, you'll want a better racket. The top racket that I've seen just recently is about 200 to 240 bucks. And um, and what about the – you mentioned the different types of shuttlecocks. So that there's plastic and feather, and uh, I think you mentioned a synthetic as well. And yes. Is there any specific parameters around those? Are those kind of standardized around, you know, uh, regardless of, you know, where you get them or how you get them? Yeah, the, the, the plastic ones are sold pretty much in all sporting goods stores or with badminton kits. The feathered ones usually are in specialty stores either – especially tennis badminton shop or at badminton clubs around the country. You can order them online. The synthetic ones are all online right now. The, the difference with the, the feathered ones, just a little trivia hit there, the feathered ones are all the feathers. There's 16 feathers and a shuttlecock. They're all from the left side of the goose. Huh. And they're all goose feathers. And that's because the aerodynamics of it and how it spins. So the feathered ones, what happens with why we encourage beginners not to use them because they destroy real fast and they're about a buck 50 to two bucks per each feathered shuttlecock. So plastic ones last much longer and take much more abuse in the beginning. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that they were <laughs> from the same yeah. side of the goose. Uh, you, um, you mentioned that um, with wheelchair play uh that the court dimensions are different are there any other kind of depending on the classification any other kind of variations uh, or adaptations that that are part of the sport no there there is all the other classifications play on a full-size badminton court um the, the the difference again with the wheelchair is you have to have your legs strapped in and you it's better to have your waist attached to the chair um, the two classifications is one is there's a little bit of mobility it's called WH2 and WH1 is where the wheelchair uh, athlete is, uh, cannot get out of the chair and is not, is pretty much unmobile from the waist down. 
but no, in every, every other classification or game, there is no other modification to the court. And, and what about the rules? I mean, are the rules all the, all, all the same as well then throughout each classification? Yeah, the, the rules are the rules of badminton. The only difference is in, for example, the amputees. If they need a break to wipe sweat off their stumps or whatever the case may be, they, they're allowed a timeout for that. Otherwise, it's normal rules of badminton, which is really minimal breaks breaks between the end of the game and two minutes before the next game. So it is a whirlwind <laughs> quick, quick. Uh, yeah, it's very, it, there's really the purpose of the game is no breaks to keep playing. And that's why I talked about earlier, the physical fitness is an important part of the game. And um, you mentioned, of course, local badminton clubs, um, you know, talk about, talk about them in terms of, of where they are across the country and how, if someone, you know, wants to find a, one near them or their local badminton club, what, 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 they, what should they do? Well, the first thing I would recommend, again, going to usabadminton.org, looking up where to play. We have a map of where all the sites are. Also, um, I can just give you some information regarding the number of states. California, for example, has a tremendous amount of badminton. It's very popular there in Northern California and Southern California. Northern California has about 40 badminton clubs, actual clubs. Um, Southern California is in the 20s, Texas, Omaha, Florida, New York. Um, those are the big states that have clubs. A lot of the other clubs play at either Y or university they're just rental space mm -hmm. here in Colorado. We play at a YMCA and in Denver, they play at a university and at a private uh, sports club and as well as a, um, a YMCA up there also. So they're, they're designated uh, badminton clubs, but then there's also, you know, kind of more multi-purpose uh, locations and, and places and facilities as well. That's correct. The, and you know, the pickleball right now is a big craze among a lot of people, seniors too, that a pickleball court is the same outline as a badminton court. It's just mm -hmm. got a lower net and the lines are pretty much the same. So anywhere they're playing pickleball, if you could work with the facility to put a badminton net in, then you could play badminton there too. And uh, you mentioned, of course, that matches go to 21. Um, are there any you know, rules in terms of um, you know, must win by two or those types of types of rules? Yeah, you have to win by two up to 27 points, and then that the game ends at that. So it's it's when you're tied at 21, the game then goes on until 27. And and what uh, in, in terms of scoring, what are, what are some additional tricks of the trade in terms of either um, the approach of your hit or or anything along those lines that that you know, athletes should, should consider. Consider that you're going to be run around a lot. So the 44 link by 20 wide doesn't sound that big, but as you're moving up and back and around the side and trying to swing a racket, it, it, it's quite tiring. You could run up to four miles in a match, singles match. So the best thing that I would recommend to people is be ready to be fit I mean, it, everybody has their own level, but what we used to call when I was coaching, we'd give the opponent the tour. 
up, back, up, back, up, back, and just make them run and hope they hit it out. <laughs> um, you have to, of course, there's drops, clears, smashes, straightaway shots, drive shots. Uh, they're all part of what you need to do to get your opponent to miss. And it just depends on the opponent. Left-handed, right-handed makes a big difference too. Because mm-hmm. if you think you're playing a lefty and you think you're hitting to their backhand and you're hitting to their forehand, that could be trouble. <laughs> so a, a lot of it, again, is uh, mental in that part, but be prepared to be run quite a bit. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the left and right hand. I'm, I'm a lefty, so I know how different it is. <laughs> An initial advantage. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that it's a lifetime sport, and we we often want to talk about that. Besides, just you know, the opportunity to compete at the Olymp, uh, you know, at the Paralympic level or the elite level, um, we always want folks to stay active and be active. Um, you know, I, I do you, you know, in terms of the, your outreach to, to clubs and and to other and just communities in general. You know, do you see a lot of um, folks in, in at various ages or stages of their life playing? Yeah, in the World Championships, they had athletes for para. They were in their 50s and and playing active, playing in clubs. And there's, like I said, there's multiple clubs around the country where it's not just all youth, as you see in the able-bodied side, because most people burn out after 30s in that uh, able-bodied side. But in para, there's no limit. We have a couple of athletes I mentioned on our team that are in there. I don't want to give away their, their ages, but they're in their senior moments. So <laughs> they, uh, they're they still playing and they're competing at a high level uh, because they can and they take the time to train. Exactly. That's that's the good point. That's a, a very good point in terms of, uh, you know, you're still you're still needing to train and train all the, you know, all the time, basically. <laughs> yeah, th- there's always a diamond in the rough and someone who's just a natural that always, but that's not 99% of the athletes that come to badminton, at least, that you have to work because it's a different, like every sport, it's a different motion, different drills, different shots you have to hit, and they have to be accurate. And you mentioned singles versus, you know, doubles. Uh, walk me through the doubles a, a little bit more in terms of um, the different types of double competitions. Well, it, it, there's, again, men's, women's, and then mixed doubles where a man and woman play. It's where badminton's one of the only sports that does allow mixed in the Olympics and Paralympics. But that, a lot of that with doubles and training is um, getting to know your partner, getting the trust in where the shuttle's hit and who's going to hit it. I've seen many of broken rackets where the shuttle's hit in the middle of the court. Both players swing for it, and there goes a racket. And I talked about that $200 racket. That's kind of sad when that all happens. Mm-hmm. But the, the bigger part of doubles is trust, knowing your partner, knowing where he's going to be, where she's going to be, and, and hitting the shot that sets them up for the next kill shot. So a, a lot of the, the doubles game is, is it's very fast, very quick moving, a lot of drive shots, a lot of smashing uh, so the, the doubles is one of the more entertaining viewership type uh, sport uh, games that we have. And are there rules in terms of of where they're allowed to be on e- where each player is allowed to be on the court? Um, really, in in the setup, if you want to, there's st- strategy in regarding to where you place your partner when you're receiving serve. So 
the person receiving serve would be up right at the line to get try to put away a short serve that's not well and the person would the other partner would be behind them and mixed it side to side but it rotates depending on the shot if the shots are clear one person would get it in the back and the front the other partner would come up to the front to try to kill anything if they're smashing kill anything short that comes up so it's complete rotation all the time and that's one of the things you'd have to learn playing the sport is the rotation in doubles and mixed and who traditionally does what shot and why so there's but there's no special rules uh set up for doubles in in badminton and singles the court is long and narrow in doubles it's long and wide there's an extra uh, a couple feet on each side that gives you more space for doubles so you're playing more of a court in doubles than you are in singles but that's because there's two people on the court too right yeah so yeah i guess but the thought to the question that I that I asked was, you know, so typically a player doesn't just stay on the left and, a, and with one player on the right, or one doesn't one doesn't stay up front while one stays in the back. It's kind of constant rotation, as you mentioned. Yeah, it is constant rotation, and and that's again like I was talking about the trust in your partner, and that's why you, there's a lot of people who keep their partners for a long time and they build up that, so they know exactly when a shot comes, what's going to happen, where should I go, where should I move, where are they going to move. They already know that. It's kind of intuitive. Hmm. Anything else I haven't asked you about the sport, you know, in terms of what maybe other folks should know? No, what we want is we want you to contact us and, and get, get a hold of you and let you try it. We do demos and clinics all over, and we'd love to have you come out and just swing for a while and see if this is the sport for you. And hopefully we can advance and maybe get some of your goals to get into the Paralympics, at least at elite level of the sport. So I think that's pretty much everything you and I, the questions were great. And I think there's a, it's a pretty simple game in the sense of, you know, just hitting a shuttle back and forth, but it's everything that the details, everything's in the little details. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, definitely. I hope uh, and, and encourage uh, folks to definitely try it out and to get, uh, to reach out to USA Badminton to find out where a local clinic or demo uh, is taking place. So thanks, Steve, for, for uh, talking with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Mm-hmm.